And we back, baby, for another season of the Sacramento Kings Hoopball Podcast here on the Hoopball Podcast Network. I am merely Damian Barling in the presence of the great Joe Adge, uh, your host here of this show. And we welcome in my man Sam Comenti. Now, Sam is here for a variety of reasons, and we're going to tell you why later. First <laughs> off. Uh, I love a cliffhanger. That's what you got to No, no, see? It's called a tease. Got to hold on for it. Sam, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's <laughs> a tease. Excuse because me. Because this is definitely not a podcast in which you can fast forward to the end and hear that part of the show first and just fast forward to the beginning. See, I'm treating it like it's a radio show and you've got to stick around for the second quarter hour to get the big payoff. I'm a radio professional here, buddy. I'm bringing my radio habits over to the podcast game. <laughs> Uh, I know it makes no sense, but still, we're going to tell you at the end. Um, Jilly, Jillian, Julian. Back. That was a pre-show conversation, but Jill, <laughs> man. Jill, All of the above. <laughs> where do we start, man? Like we, we've we been absent, which we'll explain later, but dude, what do we start with? Ben Simmons rumors, Media Day, Tristan Thompson, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy, Marvin. What, what do you want to start with? Probably everything but Simmons at this point, just oh, because wanna, nothing okay. has happened there. I, I, I think I, at this point, I think everyone knows every possible thing about Simmons. Um, but I just feel bad, like, keep going, keep talking about it with these players while they're still here and nothing's actually happening. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I'd, I'd much rather talk about the people that are currently present. Um, at training camp i know it's not as much fun but yeah. actually it kind of is like and i'm and i'm fine with officially closing the book on ben simmons it was a lot of fun sam it got us through an off season it got us through some some slow days to pitch some some trade ideas and yeah oh ben simmons for this and buddy for that and how could it work what position would he play but i, I sam i think it's time we can we, we, we can we can move on from that that's philly's problem to deal with yeah, I was never a huge Ben Simmons hype train guy. I, I thought it was more of a pipe dream, which as Sacramento Kings fans, we really fall quickly for pipe dreams, especially when we've been stuck in purgatory for my whole, pretty much my whole life. I, I, I don't want to reveal my age just yet, but I'm young. And so I don't remember the Kings glory years at all. I'm wearing a J. Will jersey right now. So I like to pretend like I understand what J. Will was like on the court. I never saw it. I was going to say, were you alive when Jay Will played here? Like barely. Yeah, I just beautiful. showed up. And Jay Will was making elbow passes in all-star games and oh, taking the world by storm. Yeah. yeah. So, I will say, though, the best thing that Simmons gave us so far was the introduction of Tristan Thompson, right? I mean, essentially. Or, well, I would say, actually, it wasn't really Ben Simmons. It was the uh, Lakers trade. But trade regardless, it was, you know, the buddy talk of of all the trades and um, – yeah, the Tristan Thompson uh, inserted himself right was, as the uh, as the new vet. I mean, it was dude, awesome. <laughs> how great is that? Like the trade that everybody was like, "What? Wait, why? I don't get it." All of a sudden, Tristan Thompson. You know, we 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 called it on D'Lo and KC the biggest babyface turn in history, where he this guy kind of comes in and we have all of these preconceived notions about him, whether it's the you know the TMZ stuff, the Kardashian stuff. You know, when you when you have a relationship with LeBron James, you're saddled with it. Like when you play with LeBron James, you're saddled with it. Every coach that has ever coached LeBron James is saddled with. Oh, please, you coach LeBron James. That's all you did. Like you didn't you, you weren't even the coach. LeBron was the coach. General managers deal with it. anytime you have that close association. Then you got the you got the extra bullet that you're with clutch sports. So immediately you've got all of these things. Oh, I don't like this about Tristan Thompson. I don't like this about Tristan Thompson. And as Tristan was talking the other day, I thought, man, we really don't know anything about this dude. Like, we, we know the, the bear, you know, we know the stuff that I just laid out there. I know that I thought he would have been a great fit in Boston. It didn't work out. But other than that, I don't know much about him. I had Did no you... idea Corey Joseph was his best friend. Like right? that blew my mind today from James Ham. But hearing the background reasons, like I can totally understand why I'm being from Toronto. But I will say that, 
the headlines that, you know, Tristan has made, or at least like, you know, for the off the court stuff, um, Kings fans only ever really saw him. What, you know, uh, a game or two a season, like he wasn't being on in the Eastern conference. He wasn't someone that we totally saw all the time, but the more research I've done about him and have the articles between past coaches, players, like everybody loves the guy. Cleveland did a whole like top 20 reasons why Tristan Thompson will probably have his Jersey possibly retired um, mm. with the Cavs. Like, I mean, that's not stuff that I would have even considered. Um, but yeah. And then his, his uh, rebounding numbers, mm. when I was looking at him before we, before we started today um, last year, even when people said he was, bad right like with the boston it was a down year for him he was still in the 91st percentile in offensive rebounds in the league and in the 70th percentile of defensive rebounds in the league and where did the kings finish last year in rebounds 28 out of 30 teams in the league so like in that sense you can see why maybe that in addition to the you know, the locker room atmosphere type vet presence that even though he had a down year, the guy just rebounds the ball. Like if he yeah. can just come in and rebound the ball for 15 minutes, like to me, that will do wonders on a horrible rebounding team. The same way Len did. I mean, when he was here on his first stint, um, he was in the 92nd percentile on um, offensive rebounds and then 88th percentile on defensive rebounding so just alone those two guys coming in um unless we just have horrible luck um that that should really help at least on you know that side of the ball which we were so bad on so is it is it just me or have we been talking about the king's woes rebounding for a long time now like this has been their problem and we've had these conversations that you just had, Jill, not to diminish what you said because everything was spot on. These guys are rebounders. That's what Thompson does. That's what Len does. That's what Rashawn Holmes does at a high volume. But we, for me, it's like I still need to see it. I need to see how these guys work because I, yeah. I really am scared of a, of a front court combination of Tristan Thompson and Alex Len. That makes no sense to me. How would that work? Uh, but they can rebound, and we know they can do that. So that's that's a relief because they, they get bullied too much. And that was one thing about this team last year and really just been a theme of this team under Luke Walton that I have not enjoyed, which there's a lot of themes under Luke Walton I've not enjoyed. But the main theme is they, they cap, like they're cowards a lot of the time. I, I don't feel like that's maybe a strong word, but they shy away from being aggressive and being the bully. And that's my favorite type of team in any sport is the bully. I like the team that, that's rugged, that doesn't back down. They might not even be the better team on the court, but they play harder. They play more aggressive. They're in your face. We need attitude on this team, which is Davion Mitchell off night. Right. Go get a guy that's nickname is off night. That, that, yeah. that helps. That fills a, a big hole right there. So Mo I'm Harkless, excited about Terrence Davis. I was Mo just going to say, and, and Mo Harkless even said that in his interview too, like the fact that he even wanted to come back here and that it was exciting to him to the prospect, similar to what Fox has said before that um, of being a part of a team that like, gets over the you know the the hump here of of where we're adversity. at adversity um yeah that like it's not something that's a gimme that it's it makes it that much sweeter when when it really does happen um and his comments about how my job is to come in here and get these guys to want to play defense that it's fun that you know that he mentioned at the end of the year you know when their numbers got better um how much fun you can actually have defense leading to offense and things like that, that it's um, it doesn't just have to be work. Like it can be fun work. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm excited just about the defensive potential of this team. And the thing that's important to note about this, about this King squad is we know they can score. They were a very productive offensive team, which Luke Walton teams, especially Alvin Gentry teams as well. Those guys can do that. They can score. They know how to run and gun. They just got to play defense. And Jill, I've seen plenty of your tweets talking about like, we just need to find guys that care at the very minimum. Show me that you care to play defense. And I'm a, I'm a Raider fan. Um, that pains me very much to couple that with being a Kings fan. It's just constant torture. But an analogy Kings or excuse me, Raider fans use quite a bit is we have a great offense as a Raider 
team. You just got to find some defense. You got to find some balance, and this team can be good. Right now, they're 3-0, and it's because they found a little bit of defense. For the Kings, I think it's the same way. Find me a little bit of defense. Find me a, a key stop at a key time when we really need to get the ball back, which I didn't feel like we had on the Kings much last year. You can get a little bit of this balance and kind of counter this great offense with just some guys making stops, which you know Mitchell will. I get excited. I get excited about what that team can do. In the West, it's tough, of course. I wish it was, we were just in the Eastern Conference. But it, there, there's defensive hope. And if they can grind and they can play aggressive and they can feed off of Harkless and they can feed off of Davion Mitchell, why not us? You know, why, why can't this be the year? Yeah, you right. said two two interesting things there, uh, Jill. And and I'll. It feels like let's start with the defense part first. It, that's clearly the theme. I mean, everybody from you know you you go back to before media day when it was De'Aaron and 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 uh, Tyrese Harrison Davion. Everybody was talking about defense. When Monty McNair took the podium, it, he was talking about defense. Luke Walton, the same thing. Defense has has come up. Now, obviously, it's going to when you draft the player like Davion Mitchell, who got such national attention because he because of what he was doing defensively in the California Classic. But heading into this season, you know, Jill, a couple of years ago after the Dave Yeager year, it was pace, 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 pace. Tempo, tempo, tempo. Pace almost became a... The, <laughs> Four letter word. Keyword, yeah. I don't want to bring that up. Now the word is defense. And that's the word I think everybody's bringing up. And that's actually a word I think the entire fan base wants to hear is defense, defense, defense. And it's great that they're committed to it in this aspect of it. But I know one thing I was talking about on Dila when KC on ESPN 1320 was it, it, cool. Y'all are talking about it. like how you going to feel against Portland? Like if Portland goes up 15 on you. Or how how are you going to feel if you wind up in a shootout for three quarters? You know, like are you going to remain committed to the defensive end? Is is this a uh, is this a tell death do us part situation? Yeah, yeah. are you going to be able to maintain that consistency? Yeah, well, and I think that was kind of the most frustrating thing last year is even at the beginning of the year you saw it, and then even for flashes when they'd have the like eight game winning streak, right? You would see it, and then all of a sudden it, it would be nowhere for what nine straight games um that i think tristan might have even mentioned this but i he might have just talked about runs during a game but if you can prevent right prevent the nine game losing streaks like <laughs> the same way you can pre prevent you know giving up eight points in a row if you can you know get three wins two losses like if you can just minimize the the long stretches of losses you can keep yourself around right like and at that point at the end you just want to keep yourself around I think on the offensive side I saw that they finished in the top half of the league for the first time in a decade so if you can keep your offense where you're at right and we yeah. didn't have too many changes um you know regarding like the main core ish um and then the extra pieces but again like in 15 seasons we have not had a defense that's under 20. We've always been in the top 20s. And 20 is not even average. Like, that's not even the middle of the pack. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you can just be 20 or, like, low 20s, you're giving yourself a shot. So even just a little bit below average, you're giving yourself a shot. Like, not the worst in league history. And that's my thing, too. Like, at some point, you have to be sick of being a joke, right? Like, a punchline. Because even during the offseason, it was, oh, anytime someone talked about the Kings, it was, oh, yeah, that team with the worst, you know, defense in NBA history. I think depending on what site you looked at, one had him finishing worst and then one was like a little bit underneath worst. Yeah. Um, so regardless, you're one of the two worst in, in league history. At, at some point, like personally, wouldn't you have a chip on your shoulder, like not wanting to be a part of that? I mean, just, I know you're making your money still, but like, I mean, I wouldn't want to be associated with that. Like that's, I mean, when that's all your team is known for, no one's talking about that you finished in the top half of the offense in, in the league at all, because you were that bad on defense. Now it's going to be ugly if they keep talking about defense and we don't see any kind of improvement. That's where there is a big bullseye, right, on them because 
like you mentioned at the end of last year, it was we're going to have assistants work individually with these guys, which we saw a lot of that um, over the summer and their L.A. camps. And they worked with Detroit and um, Toronto and and things like that for um, I made a joke that they had a camp for the the lottery teams <laughs> to try and to try and improve. But essentially, I mean, that's that's what they're doing. And so you you got rid of your the scapegoat of the defense last year left in Rex. Um, you have Mike now who has a great resume similar to the resume that, um, you know, Rex had. And one thing I loved is I kept asking, Hey, can we sign Steve Clifford to take over the defense? Well, they signed Mike and that whole Kevin Bacon circle was Steve Clifford was the, the first person to give Mike a job in college um, as a coach. So in a certain way, we got a piece of Steve Clifford. Um, but yeah, at, at some point we can't just keep blaming the same people over and over, like on the court, they're gonna They're going to have to show it regardless of the moves that were made or not made. This is your team. And, and you at some point have to take pride in it and show it. Um, because after 15 years again, if, if, if it comes out and it bombs, it's, it's not going to be pretty. I just appreciate the Kevin Bacon circle. That was, that was solid. (laughs) That was, that was solid right there. That Um, went went over my head. So I'm going to pretend like I understood what that was. I know who Kevin Bacon is. He has that, there's that thing of that, that's yes. Okay. It's just a different way of saying six degrees of separation. Are you familiar with that term? Young Samuel. Yeah, I've heard it. Okay, okay, okay. And again, big fan of Kevin Bacon. So, so it's a thing I mean, where, like, isn't? literally who, everybody exactly. can. S- the The joke is that no matter who you are or any name that someone throws out, there's six degrees to Kevin Bacon, and so his name has just been like. You're gonna teach me so much, Jill. I can already see that. Not just Kings wise, just like life lessons. Life wise, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. Uh, bookmark that. Use that on my parents. That's solid. Oh, they'll appreciate <laughs> they'll it. They'll get too. it. They'll get it. Yeah, yeah I'm they'll, sure they'll, 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 they'll totally get it. <laughs> It also feels like there's a well. You 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 mentioned you, you know you I should say you left out another another defensive name that I think a lot of Kings right. fans are rightfully so really excited about Douglas Dale. Yeah, I think he's going to have more of an impact. Not to hop. I mean, you were talking, Jill, but not to hop on. But uh, talking about a guy that these kids you can are here to, to hop on. By the way, Sam. that is like, true. Jill, but, Jill I mean, will teach you that. That's, uh, that's fine. Jill, Jill, Jill was that was her because point. Because I will gonna, keep going. Go. Like I know yeah. where Damien's going with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the lead. Um, Doug, Doug is gonna like demand respect. Well, he already has their respect. He's gonna demand attention. He's very well spoken. Something that I've always and this might just be the communications major in me, but something that I've always respected the most about coaches, and you can tell the coaches that don't have this, is the ability to communicate. And Luke Walton, to his credit, is excellent at communicating, and that's why these players liked him. That is why they spoke up after the season and said we like Luke. You know, we're not winning and that's our fault. And for players to do that and take accountability, it shows obviously a, a huge level of respect and also acknowledgement that, we, you know, for the players are like, this isn't really his fault. This is our mess. We need to clean it up. He's here to guide us. And that's what a coach is. He's a guide. And for Luke, yeah, I wish the guy was a little bit more savvy with X's and O's. I wish he would try things differently every now and again or not try things at all that he sometimes is persistent on. But he, he gets these guys to like him, and that's the first step if you're going to be a, a successful coach. And that's why Doug Christie is already, in my opinion, a successful coach because these guys like him. They respect him. They know what he means to the city of Sacramento. And, I mean, I, I hope someone in some sort of meeting, first thing they did when Doug entered the room was just pull up him punching Rich, Rick Fox in the face. I hope that was something that they just showed a highlight of because um, I love that highlight. Again, era of Kings basketball. It's before me. But just like the fact that he took a stand, you know, that's what you need out of these guys. You need someone to be an enforcer. And if anyone's going to teach these Kings players to be an enforcer, hopefully not swing on them. We don't need that. But to be an enforcer, heck yeah, it's Doug Christie. I want six Doug Christies in the gym helping these guys. So I'm fired up about his presence. And one thing we always talk about is, at least for the Kings, right, when you don't have these stars, it's you have to do all the little things, right? And Doug Christie made a career out of doing the little things yep. he can explain to the same way that Bagley was saying, he's teaching me little things. It's this is why. And then there were even people making jokes. Like, why does he even have to tell him anything? You know, he's already in the league. Well, at this point, 
you have coaches that will tell you to do things, but not every coach explains why you're doing something. He will explain why. And if you keep doing X, Y, Z, you will get this. If you keep doing this, he's going to do this. And then you can do this. And next time, maybe you will get him this way. Like he will explain why you're doing certain repetition things, not just, oh, we're just here to make you to make you do it for the hell of it. Like he will ex yeah. at least explain the results of, of why, which I think for young players that maybe they can, you know, grasp things that, again, like Bagley was saying that, oh, I never thought of it that way before, or I never had a coach tell me this is why I was doing this, you know, for the last five years. And I, you know, now finally it was explained why. Um, maybe I'll care about it a little bit more or something like, or I'll put more effort into a screen. I'll put a little bit more, you know, effort into a certain kind of move or play offensively or defensively. And then you also have a guy where he wasn't always what he was with Toronto or the Kings, like coming into the league. Like he had to work to get there. It wasn't handed to him. Um, so again, hearing from guys like that, where it's, yeah, I know being around, you know, Hall of Famers and stars and all like that is is cool. But to me, there's something about learning and hearing from a guy that literally had to work his ass off to get where he was and to have that respect that he does. Um, why wouldn't you not eat all of that up? And he's he's just always full of energy. And this yeah. team on those losing streaks, they look like they had I mean, they didn't look like they did not have energy. They lost it. They had lost yeah. their hope. They had lost their passion. It seemed that's what was so frustrating was like, you guys are better than this. Like, why do you not care? You're, and Doug Christie would say that on air. Yeah. Be like, this is your job. You're getting paid to do this and play for the Sacramento Kings to represent the city. Why don't you care? So now, great, take them off the, the broadcast bench and set them on your actual bench and be like, tell that to them right now during the game. And maybe we won't now, go yeah. losing streak. And now you can have a practice, right? Like after a game, you can have a practice to show them something where right. I think people forget last year too. Like I think it was maybe three, four practices the whole year. It was something crazy like that. I mean, now these guys are actually going to get to practice after something bad happens or something good, but at least you can go over the film and then show them on the court. Like it's not just oh, here, watch the film. Now I'm expecting you to go be able to just turn it around. And um, Doug can hoop still too. Like There's that, no doubt that Doug right? can go out there and cross up some of these kids and make them, make them feel a little like, oh man, this got schooled yeah. by a 40-something-year-old. But also Doug right. has the ability to explain stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, you know, some of the conversations, particularly like out of the radio studio and on the floor, when he was a broadcaster, we would, I would ask him, hey, why is so-and-so doing this or why is this person working on that and he would like the way he explains it i could understand it you you, you know right. what i mean yep and i think that's such a, a valuable thing because i i'm i'm comfortable in putting my basketball iq at zero you, you know what i mean and you you when you especially in comparison to nba players so even right. if you think you have a, a oh you know that's the that's why i'm very very careful tonight i i i really work hard to not say well this person has a low basketball IQ people say that about buddy all the time I've had people who work within the organization say that he's just he's he's not the basketball IQ wise he's just kind of not there well one thing I know buddy's got a sharper basketball IQ than I do so if Doug Christie is explaining something to me and I understand he sure as he hell is going to be able to you know an, right. a, a player in the league is going to be able to understand it and i think sometimes coaches have these complex ways to explain things because it was explained to them in a complex way and when it's relayed like that you're sometimes you're left there like huh I, you you don't always it's 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 difficult to grasp that stuff and with Doug like i never left with i have no like i i just asked a simple question I never walked away from Doug like that. I walked away with a complete understanding of why the Kings were doing something or why a specific player was yeah. doing something. And I know Jill, I, I know you had to have Sam, if you were listening, I know it caught all our attention when Marvin Bagley started talking about Doug Christie because it suddenly became a, Ooh, if there's one guy no who kidding. could get through to him, it's going to be Doug. Well, if there's one guy that seemingly to us on the outside and to so many Kings fans that doesn't seem to just buy into anything that's being presented to him in Sacramento, it's Marvin Bagley. 
it's, it's this guy that, you know, from my perspective, I'm always just perplexed. You know, Vlade believed in him. He made him the number over number two overall pick. Blew up mock drafts because everyone thought Luca was going there. Originally, when they got the second pick in the lottery, the rumors were it's either Luca or Aiden, right? That, that was the two choices that they were saying. Like, the Kings aren't going to do anything other than that. Then Bagley came in for the workout. He impressed. Vlade mistakenly thought that just because he worked out in front of him, that should be the reason to take the guy because Luca didn't want to come. We don't need to go down that path. Everyone knows that. The point being, Marvin like was always, I feel like, supported, at least by those in the in the organization when he got there. But he didn't show that on the court. He acted like nobody had his back, like nobody was in his corner. I had his back the first year. I remember seeing the 360 alley-oop dunk and Jerry Reynolds' iconic holy moly Jim Bob Bowley call, and I laughed out loud like in a bar. I was like, oh, my God, that's funny. Why did he say that? But it was like so perfect in that moment. And it was just like excitement. That was Jerry Reynolds who oozes excitement. That was that was his excitement from for Marvin. We feel that for Marvin. I still do. But it's just like, how do you bring that out of him? I think Doug Christie, you're right, Damon. I think Doug Christie's the guy. The guy to draw that out. Because if you can get um, energetic and caring Marvin Bagley, the talent's there. There's never been a question about the talent, right? He's just incredible. He's a double-double machine. How do I get you to care, Marvin? How do I get you to care, especially on defense, where you just, like, buddy kind of zone out every now and again. Doug's the guy. Doug is absolutely the guy. And Jill, I think there's also something to be said for the relatability, if that's the right word to phrase this, to Doug. And that Doug's not like a coaching lifer. It's it's not like he's bounced around from team to team as an assistant and a specialist and all of this stuff. He's just a guy who understands basketball, who knows basketball. And it. And was really, really good at one particular end of basketball, which just so happens to be this franchise's biggest weakness. I think players can relate to that more. I think it's difficult when you have a guy like, you know, I think we were talking about Dwayne on the on the post show with James Ham today. It's more difficult to relate to guys who have been coaches for 30 years. When coaches, guys who have been coaches for longer than some of the players have been alive. I think there's a difficulty to that. With Doug, Doug is like, yeah, I know basketball. I can come coach it. Every, like, they can absolutely relate to that. And he's already been around every member of this team before. They're familiar with him as a player. So I, I think there's also that aspect of it as to where maybe even subconsciously players might be a little bit more locked into him because immediately upon seeing him, they feel like they can relate to him easier. Yeah. What was it day one where his dad called Deuce? Like they were on Deuce and uh, Tyrese Halliburton's dad. Yeah. We're yeah, doing a, dad. Um, a uh, their YouTube Podcast. show yeah. and <laughs> like literally live as he's like, oh, I got to go. Tyrese's dad is is calling me. <laughs> and most like, OK, like I'll take over for a second. Um, and then he came back, but all he wanted to talk about was how excited he was that Doug Christie was going to be added to the staff and everything that Hallie could learn from him. Like, yeah. if that doesn't tell you, like, how excited, right, that these players' parents, let alone players, are are excited to have that kind of guy um, around you, I don't know what more of a um, – yeah, I, I, I don't know – that's a pretty I solid cosign. I mean, that's yeah, that's a yeah. pretty solid cosign, um, right? Because there. I know people were making the joke that, like, oh, because of the timing when it came out, obviously, of yeah, during free agency and stuff, like that was their big one. But I mean, we can make all the jokes, but if players are that excited about it, like, there's no reason not to be excited about it. Yeah, to build off that real quick, Jill, you'd like to tweet earlier you might have retweeted it actually and it got my attention because it was something positive about the sacramento kings and my eyes are always drawn to that i almost can't (laughs) believe it at first i'm like did he mean to say that jason wise uh tweeted and he works for the kings said that uh i've been around the team for 16 seasons and i've never seen the team this happy during a media day in training camp and, and he's been around for all the bad stuff, right? Like, right, so the 16 seasons. He knows so when things are when that's the entire playoff drought, is it not? 16 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you obviously got to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. But I read that several times over and over again, honestly. And I was like, that makes me happy. That makes me happy that I get to read right. that and see that because that a big part of that's Doug Christie. A big part of that is a little bit of continuity. Uh, the guys coming in, of course, are infectious, especially Davion. 
So it's like, if these guys are already in that phase where they're like, we like each other, this is fun. Great. Obviously there's a whole long season ahead of you. Now back to 82 games, you don't get 10 less, you get the full slate, but you got fans like this is, this is exciting. It's huge that they start out strong too. They they take that energy out on the court and hopefully they show us something in preseason on Monday. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Even, yeah. Even in Holmes um, interview, like uh, I think it was yesterday, he was saying how they were talking over the off season about like how much they just want to break this streak. Like, I know we hear it all the time, but like these are core returning guys who are just like, Hey, like we want to do this. Like they were working over the summer, like doing what they needed to do, excited to be back. Like we make fun of the whole basketball hell and all that stuff. But like, these are guys that actually chose to come back. We don't always say that about, you know, Guys, and we didn't really have to overpay anybody to actually come back. Like, yeah. that's a huge, you know, pro that normally guys are saying how excited they are to come here because they just got a huge check. Like, yes, these guys got big checks, but no one was actually in our sense of the, you know, the term mm-hmm. overpaid to actually yeah. um, come back. So, I mean, it was, it's nice to see. It's nice to hear. Yes, we all go in with trepidation, like, but it's, you know, I always hope for the best, expect Same. the worst, like, that's, you know, life of a Kings fan. Um, but I'm always going to go positive and set, you know, until they show me negative, like. So, well, like, why, after the first you know, game. Why, yeah, whether that's, people <laughs> no, want to say that's stupid or not, like, I don't care. Well, I, I'm a fan for them for a reason, right? Like, I'm going to be positive until they show me negative. There's no reason to be negative right now. That's the thing. Like, that's what kind of, that's what baffles me sometimes about these, you know, conversations we have on the air and on social media and all of that. It's, oh, did we didn't do enough. Oh, but Bagley's still here. But it's like, yo, this team seems to be pretty committed. Like, they've got a bunch of guys here. Oh, it's the same roster. We're winning it back. Like, nah, fam, it's really not. Like, the team went through a, a bit of a change at the trade deadline last year. They added Tristan Thompson. Now, now that might be the act, not the acquisition that you like, but they added Alex Lynn again. That might not be the acquisition you like, but it's not the same exact roster that's running it back. And it's certainly not the same roster that started at the beginning of last year. So you have guys who are here, Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless back for a run here with the Kings. Alex Lynn took some time away, but came back to the Kings. You know, there's, there's no reason to be down on this. And I'm I'm with Jill in that. If you want to be down on it, like at least let them do something to be down on. Like right now, right. Buddy's saying all the right things. You can argue whether he's being genuine or not. There was nothing disingenuous, at least to me, about Buddy Heald, nor Marvin Bagley. I'm positive about both of those guys. And I would think Kings fans would run a route. Again, Jill and I, we've talked about this for years. I'll, don't tell other people how to fan. Do your thing. But man, Buddy's success means King's success. Marvin's success means King's success. Right. Why not root for their success? Because that ultimately means the Kings are doing well. 100%. And I think that's right. what we all want, Sam. No, it 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 obviously is. And it's it's funny to me, the roller coaster, the Kings have always taken us on. I mean, as a team, they've taken us taken us on this roller coaster. But talk about Buddy and Marvin. Those are two guys that Kings are just up and down and up and down. I mean, Mar- when they acquired Buddy Heald, I remember everyone was pro Buddy. I mean, then he came out and in his first game, I think he had like 16 points or something off the bench. He showed that he was a great scorer. He could move really well off the ball. People were excited. They're also excited to get rid of Demarcus and start like this whole new chapter. But Buddy was the guy. And then you got the big contract extension. That wasn't by accident. It was because he had a great year. And he is a prolific scorer. And in the NBA, there is a premium on premier scores. Obviously, Danny Green's getting paid way too much money because he can shoot a really good three ball and play a little bit of defense. That's what Buddy needs to do now is play a little bit of defense, pass the ball a little bit better. When you're shooting above 40% consistently from three and you make like every free throw, yeah, there's a spot for you on the court. What I hope the Kings can do this year, my, my big goal for this team, because we've been hammering at culture and the importance of culture and buying in, being aggressive, listening to what's being sold to you. Just look last year. The New York Knicks went into last season with pretty much the same roster that they had had the year before. They they signed some aggressive, like, defending role players. Reggie Bullock, Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. They, but they kept the guys that they already had. And they're like, here's this coach and his amazing assistant coaching staff. 
uh, with Johnny Bryant, who's a young kind of like uh, Rico Hines, but he's much younger. I guess more like a Doug Christie that the players really liked and could relate to. Then Mike Woodson was back on the bench as the associate head coach. He'd been around the league for a while, kind of like an Alvin Gentry. And these guys bought in. They bought in and suddenly this team that was atrocious for so long had become one of the top defensive teams in the league and they would fly around the ball. I mean, I would love watching highlights about the Knicks just to watch their defense. I know that they could shoot. I know they could score and get it down low. But oh my God, out of nowhere, this team was locked down. They were off night, but five of them. Yeah. So if that can happen for them with just a little bit of a reboot in terms of the people preaching to the players, and then obviously some players added in, why not us? Why, why can't the Kings be that? The Kings are due. The Knicks were due. They got their due. Now the yep. Kings are due. I believe if things fall into place that they can at least go that trajectory where these guys all of a sudden are really, really bought in. That's what makes me – that's my goal. That's my goal for this season. Just show me that. Right. And that's in, – in that same kind of sense where – you have people talking about Monty, like with the Suns. Yes, they they did the whole Chris Paul thing, but similar to the Knicks, like the other four guys and the rest of the team still had to buy in, right? To to what to what um um what was Monty being Williams. sold? Yeah. yeah, from 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 Jones to Monty to Chris Paul, like the rest of the teams that you still had a bottom tier team that bought in, right? That they all had to to have the we were talking about the basketball IQ, like that, how he can increase right in a lineup like that of just people credit Chris Paul for saying that this is why you do this, right? I'm going to have you do this because I'm going to do this and you're going to be able to then do this because of that. Um, that if, if those kind of things where I know people are upset that, you know, we didn't get that big free agent signing, but, Again, similar to the Knicks situation, if you have guys that buy in and just do it, you were there were people that were calling for for Jones's job in in Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he I think he won Executive of the Year. Or he was right yeah, up yeah. there. Um, but like, so it, it just takes the guys on the court, right, buying in and showing it that I, I people are you know upset at Monty or you know whatever for not making that many moves or at least some are not all um but if this team can actually show it then it doesn't really matter what you think of his lack of moves or moves that if these guys buy in and and put it on the court then you know um it it is what it is and and I think one of the big things that people were upset at him last year was the depth and they seem to add some of the depth, right? We saw it at yeah. the deadline and we saw it here where to me, I like that he's not overpaying anyone. I liked his, you know, small trades. He added depth, some rebounding. Um, I like Lewis really King. Really the only thing I yeah. don't like, well, really the King only guy. thing I don't like is that there hasn't really been that medium to, to big size trade, but not for him not being aggressive, right? We saw two failed ones that had those two trades that failed gone through no one would be talking anything bad about him at all right i mean it would be job well done all the way around so again i know um i made people will be upset that i'm not going hardcore on him but at this point i i think he's done an average to decent job um minus that like big move but again doesn't really matter what we say if they show it on the court at the end of the day um, we'll be happy. Like, again, be like Damien was saying, I'm trying to be positive until they show me something negative. Now, if it all falls apart on the court, then yeah, he's going to get blamed for it. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's how it works. But Sam, before you jump in, I, there's one thing that I really like about Monty and you can, you, you mentioned the two failed trades. It's Dante DiVincenzo, mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell regardless when even when you look at the failed aspect of what Monty McNair uh, it's the players but it's the direction the direction has not deviated right you look at look at look at uh uh um DiVincenzo right Montrez Harrell I'm I'm gonna leave Kyle Kuzma out because he he doesn't really fit in this but Montrez Harrell was a part (laughs) of it you need a score back Kyle Kuzma it's it's fine It's, it's not knocking him but did you look at Mo Harkless and you look at Terrence Davis and you look at Alex Lynn and you're starting to look like, okay, Monty clearly has a vision of what he wants with this team. It's a defensive team. It's a tough 
gritty team. Even along the trades that didn't go through, he stuck to that vision and has not deviated from it. For so long, this team had no vision. For so long, this team had no foresight. They would see something shiny in front of them and go, oh, let's get that. But it'd be like, no, 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 wait a minute. That doesn't fit what you're going to have next year and the year after. Oh, no, 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 but I want that right now. And they go get it, and it's like, well, that didn't work. And no matter what, through good or bad, and Monty has had quite a bit of unique things happen here during his short tenure as the GM, he has stuck to his vision, and that's what I like the most. 100%, yeah. Yeah, and I I definitely am not uh, understanding of the Monty McNair slander. We're so impatient as Kings fans that we expect immediate results. He came from the Rockets organization, which is – you know, they, they frame everything around. Let's go for it now. Like, let's do this yeah. big trick, this big trick, let's blow everything up. Like they're, they're impatient. The Rockets are. So the Kings thought that's what we were getting with McNair was a perfectly impatient general manager to make this a quick switch. What I wrote down here, I wrote a couple notes before coming on. And a big thing I, I figured we might get to is like building consistency when it comes to the Kings. Like, how do they do that? I think Monty McNair's best move was making, was by not making the best move. His best move was sitting on it. You know, deciding I'm going to, I'm going to play the margins and build this roster inward. Every general manager and management that's coming for the Kings in this drought. One of the first things they try to do is make that big trade, excite people. Rudy Gay traded like, you know, a month in uh, Vivek Ranadive's tenure, uh, Pete D'Alessandro, because they were wanting to go for it in their first year as ownership. DeMarcus Cousins traded after Vladi takes over. It's this constant like cycle that these general managers are trying to like, we're going to fix it right now. You can't do that. You can't fix a team that's been in this position for this long with one move. It's a it's a flurry of moves. And so what I like about McNair, and he said this when he decided to retain Luke Walton, keep him as his guy. He said, I want to build consistency. I want things to stay the same for more than just one year because that's what the problem is. The problem isn't the Kings' lack of trying. It's not the lack of talent. They had Isaiah Thomas, Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins in a starting lineup. Those are three all-star players that were in one lineup at one time and could score didn't mean anything because there was no consistency. There was no head man that stayed in place. There was no general manager that stayed in place. This team needs a sound voice that just stays put. So I, I applaud Monty McNair for being like, I'm not going to do the things my predecessors did. I'm not going to make something rash. I'm not going to do something, you know, just really quick without thinking it through. I'm going to take my time. And I'm excited about that from him more than anything. Damien is that, He's not going to be a rash general manager. He's going to, he's going to take his time. That's fine by me. I have time. Yeah. 100%. And by adding the depth he did, especially with Walton being on the last year of his contract, right? Um, that to me, it's not so much about what roster compared to what like these guys are making, right? You're making all this money. So that means you have to be a starter, right? This team very much seems like now where I think Walton even said this, and this is the first time I've heard him say this, that we have a standard that we're going to set. If you're not playing at that standard, we have someone now behind you on the bench that will gladly come in and play that standard because they don't want to be on the bench anymore. Um, I think that, right. That, the time of um, we have to wait it out. You know, we can't, we can't have this person upset like that. That's that that's over, right? That it's either you're going to play like this or, or you're not playing because at this point, Walton, his staff, like, no, I don't think anyone's going to accept less than what they're um, what the standard they're setting right now, that if you want to be on the court, you have to buy in. You have to play this kind of way, um, or or we'll sit you regardless of right whatever you're making. Um, and that's hasn't really happened here um, much right over this whole this whole drought. So um, I'm interested to see if he sticks by that. If that ends up happening, um, that if they end up having to make some of those hard decisions. Like he did a couple of years ago when he sat Buddy and started Bogdanovich, right? Um, you know, that buddy probably, again. Sit him again. You know, it's um and so and and even I think James on your show today, Damien, said that 
he feels that the message has already been sent that it's either you're the starting small forward or you're coming off the bench that that Hallie's the guy. And I think that's the first time James actually said that where over the summer he was saying he thought that would be the case, but he said he thinks that that message has been delivered again. We'll wait and see. But um, the fact that he was saying that really caught my attention and was like, okay, Um, which to me, I think we're a better team if you have, a buddy and a Bagley, like with Mitchell, you know, coming off the bench. Like our big thing was you're always going backwards, right? At, as usual, you take your starters out, but our backward was like way backward. It's if if you can find a, a mesh of where you're not coming too far back when you have to put your bench in, um, then, you know, I think that'll help. And I think putting buddy next to, um, Davion would really help because I was looking it up and Buddy's best defensive stints statistically were with DeLon was when he was playing with a defensive forward point guard. Um, I I would like to see how he then fares with a defensive point guard in off night. Um, But St. And Bagley was part of that lineup as well. Just for um, FYI that both of them had better um, defensive um, statistic when they were with Wright and when they were with Harkless. So um, I actually wouldn't cushion. mind kind of seeing that um, yeah. mixed around. So, yeah. I think – sorry, Damien, go ahead. No, you're good, man. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's stuff to be excited about. No, and I was just going to quickly say that uh, they got to check their egos at the door with Marvin and with Buddy, and that's what we're hearing is happening. You know, we're not taking this anymore. You're not going to be a little prima donna about things. Be happy with your role. And it's easier said than done. And for Buddy, for sure, because he has that contract. And he had been the starter for so long. But Buddy was so amazing off the bench, Joe, like you said, when they started making that run back before the pandemic shut down the rest of the season. He was was perfect as a sixth man because that's what he is. He's a sixth man. He's a scorer. He comes off the bench. He drops in a bunch of buckets. He goes and sits down. He does it again in 10 minutes. And Marvin, as someone that can run and gun and get rebounds for you, block some shots, but not really play a whole lot of great defense, also perfect for a second unit. That's not complicated to me, but it's complicated when you factor in these guys' egos and like who they believe they are as people, as players, as athletes. Marvin's helicopter dad involved. But Marvin and Buddy, to me, they're best fit on this team in this season off the bench with Davion. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Fox, it's a lot of it's going to have to come from Fox, right? Fox is saying and doing all the right things and he's improved his body and strength. And we know what he can do on the offensive side. If we can see that leap on the defensive end, I mean, I don't know how anybody else wouldn't buy in at that point. I mean, right? Like it's, you see how excited they get when he goes off on the offensive side. Like if he can do that on defense, which is what we all thought, you know, he was coming in. Because he showed that defense in college, and we see bits and pieces of it right here. If he can do that consistently, um, there's going to be a lot to be excited about. There definitely is, and there's going to be a lot to be excited about as it pertains to the Hoopball podcast, uh, the Sacramento Kings Hoopball podcast. Uh, My sincerest apologies that we haven't been uh, posting more regularly that is 1000% uh, on me. Uh, it's not on Jill. It's just my my schedule. I, I can make excuses as to why it, hap- it has happened. It, there's no point in doing that. It, it just has. Um, but we're going to fix that because it's not fair to Jill, uh, who has so much to offer uh, Kings fans. It's not fair to to Brew and Dan and everybody at the Hoopball Podcast family. And most importantly, it's not fair to the people who listen to this show and come here uh, for Kings News, which is why you're hearing my man Sam here. Sam is going to step in and he's going to be working with uh, Jill moving forward uh, here on the Hoopball podcast. Uh, I'll still be around available whenever these two uh, want me to jump on. Uh, but He'll be Jill making Sam, appearances throughout the season. <laughs> whenever Jill wants me, uh, she knows I'll be here. Just like whenever I come calling and begging for her to be on the radio show, uh, she's there for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm still I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be here. But but Jill and Sam are going to be handling uh, these duties here on the hoop ball podcast, uh, moving forward, that will, um, allow more podcasts to be posted, uh, that will allow more Kings content for you. And that will allow more people to know the brilliance of Jill edge, uh, 
uh, and my man, uh, Sam Kaminsky. So, Sam, we're, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, just a quick backstory. Sam had been on me about joining the Be Her podcast platform for a while, and it kind of became, oh, you, you know, what are you thinking? What do you want to do? And he didn't really have anything in mind, and I had just kind of started with Jill. And Jill, like I've, I've told this to you a million times before, Jill breathed life back into me with this podcast because when I started going at ESPN, it just became, man, we we really take pride in how we cover the Kings at, at 1320. And to stop, take a breather, hit the reset button, and come back and do it again was only fun because I was working with with you, Jill. And I didn't want to give up the podcast at the time. But as you know, the 1320 YouTube channel took off, and now that we're getting ready to get into another season, I know that I'm 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 hindering your ability to do what you love and do what you do great. So I, you know, Sam had hit me up again and it was like, okay, Sam, I'm turning my baby over to you. This, <laughs> this hoop ball podcast is pretty dope, man. It's, it's been fun. And the audience that uh, Jill and I have been able to build together is, is, is just extraordinary. And uh, I'm happy to turn things over to you guys and, and, and let you run things here through the, through the season and uh, post all sorts of great t- content. You know, I'll, I'll be listener number one, man, of, of, of thousands that will be listening. I will be listener number one. Yeah, it it's uh, to give my just little two cents. I it's almost like I, I'm not someone that goes speechless very often, Damien. But when you had offered this to me originally, I went speechless, and I didn't think I even texted. I was you back. speechless when I, uh, I when Jill finally said yes because I had been asking <laughs> Jill to do it for a while. When she finally said yes, I was speechless. So I get there the you feeling. go. He yeah, did. so it's yeah, just it's just did. big circle here of just everyone making each other speechless. I, I think I called my mom first and I was like, guess what? Like, this is so cool. And then I was like, I should probably text it back and tell him I, I want this. <laughs> uh, but I was like, big news. Uh, yeah. And so this is, this is something I'm not going to take lightly. I, I have purposely made an effort to clear out some of my schedule just to make sure I have the time to sit with Jill and ramble and, and, and share all of our King's insight. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited where we can take this. Of course, you're not out of the picture you're in any way, shape or form, Damien. I was, I was really in awe when I first opened up this uh, little zoom that we have going here and, and saw both you guys finally, like not in in person. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. But in some face to face interaction, right. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is happening. This is awesome." These are two people I followed on Twitter for so long that know sports, that know the Kings more than anybody else. So just to be in your presence, both of you, it's an honor for me, and I'm very excited to take this and run with it with Jill. And we're gonna have a great season. I, I, I am so stoked. And we'll be back on Monday. And we will be back on Monday. We're ready to start pumping some stuff out. Let's do it, Jill. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll um, keep you guys up to date on the new schedule. We're working it out. But um, yeah, expect expect multiple episodes um, from us during the week. And uh, yeah, Damien, Jill, I love you. And I love you to Sam, death. Sam, super excited. Super excited. Death, but yeah, Jill. you'll you'll see the three of us together. Um, you know, special parts during the season. But uh, yeah, we're ready to get going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you heard, you heard Jill. Be back here Monday on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network.